watching these guys put on a show is absolutely unreal. And you look at some of the awards, like I was looking at this one case that we had, and we had this personal injury lawyer on the other end, and some of the awards, 25, 30 million dollar judgments, just like, like 10 or 11 of them in one year. But if you just sit down and kind of think about where they're coming from as well, you know, they have a marketing team behind them, they have a huge team of associates with them as well, you know, they have to bring in the money. What's really, what's really interesting about it is the fact that like when the money goes, it's gone, right? It's untraceable, you can't find out where it's going. I like to talk about a bit about the future of, of insurance. You are listening to WP Radio's Out and About podcast, brought to you by Genesis Rehabilitation, Physiotherapy, and Sports Injury Clinic. Welcome, everybody. It's uh, 2020. I'm so excited to be back again this year. It's our third year with uh, WP Radio. It's uh, all new and uh, fresh. We've got a whole new look and a whole new feel. We've got our Out and About podcast. We've got the Case Law Show. We've got Chapter Check-In, audio articles, and event keynotes. And then finally, at the end of each month, we've got our trivia show. So if you've been listening to the four shows throughout the month you're going to have a chance to get on the trivia show answer some questions and uh, have a great time win some tickets go to a sporting event or whatever uh, archon is going to be giving us this uh, each and every month just uh, we look forward to you guys listening uh, if you've got questions you can reach myself or you can reach kieran who actually uh, puts the whole shows together so we really look forward to you um, and being a part of it this year and uh, we look forward to 2020 and 2021 uh, it's going to be a great uh, full year of podcasts and uh, if you have any questions don't forget to uh, reach out to us and uh, we look forward to talking with you. On today's show we have Randy Chase on and uh, he's going to be speaking to us about uh, his career in insurance. I spoke with him back in August 2019. He uh, filled me in with all the great things he's done, all the great things his company's doing. So sit back, relax, enjoy the podcast and uh, we'll check in with you later. All right. Good afternoon, everybody. It's uh, Terry Doherty. I'm here from Out and About, uh, WP Radio Podcast. Uh, today, we have uh, Randy Chason. Randy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Uh, Randy, um, you're currently with Sovereign Insurance, correct? I am. Excellent. So uh, for those people that don't know you and uh, that are new to the podcast, tell me uh, how you got into insurance and where you're at and how you got there. Sure. Well, it's a uh Kind of like everyone else in the industry, from what I've noticed, is that you know, a lot of people now tend to go to school to go to uh, to go into claims. But for myself, you know, I just kind of worked at a car rental company when I was in university. And what happened was, you know, I went in for an interview at an insurance company. Like, well, do you know what a preferred shop is? Yep. Do you know what DCPD is? I'm like, yeah, I guess so. So you're hired. So I got my first job in insurance. So who was that with? TD Insurance. Okay. And was it Enterprise you were with? Was I was that... with no, I was with Discount. Oh, okay. I knew it had to be one of the big three. <laughs> All right. So. Um, and you started off at, sorry, you said TD? Yeah. And how long were you with them? Uh, about four years. Okay. And what'd you do there? Um, I was doing auto PD for about six months, I think it was. And then uh, I guess they kind of had some faith in me and brought me into casualty. Okay. And has your career been in casualty ever since? Um, I'm mainly all lines right now. Like I've uh, studied in pretty much most lines, including professional liability and that kind of interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of stuff that really kind of interests me a lot. But my background, I would say, is casualty and property, yes. Oh, okay. And uh, you have a team. You're a manager, I understand, right? Yeah, I have a uh, I have a team of adjusters and examiners and a team leader that reports into me. Okay. And are they across the country or just in Ontario? At the moment, they are regionally in Ontario. Okay. And how many people's on your team? Uh, right now, thirteen. Oh, okay, cool. All right. So I understand you're big into LinkedIn and you post a lot of stuff. 
I am big into LinkedIn, yeah. Okay, so tell me about that. What's uh, What got you interested in doing the LinkedIn thing? And is it for personal development, career development, or just it's you just for, like to post? It's for a little bit of both. You know, I listen to a lot of motivational podcasts. I listen to Gary Vee a lot, and he kind of talks about, you know, certain things when it comes to finding the best and the brightest in certain industries, right? And I think ourselves in the insurance industry, we've kind of let ourselves down a bit in that. So I kind of post about how we're going to get the best and the brightest young people into the industry moving up. So I've been posting a lot about that on LinkedIn. Um, I'm getting a pretty good response on it. A lot of trending uh, posts that I do, which is good. A lot of good comments from some pretty, you know, strong people in the industry. So I've been pretty happy about that. Have you met Gary Vee yet? No, I haven't, unfortunately. It'd be nice, though, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and for those people who don't know, we're talking about Gary Vaynerchuk. He's a pretty big influencer in the uh, social media world. Um, so do you use Facebook as well, then, or are you just pretty stuck on LinkedIn? I'm not heavy into Facebook. I used to be heavy into Instagram and to Twitter a lot. I'm heavy into, uh, into politics. Um, I don't kind of sway either way, but I find it very interesting, particularly in the Middle East and in the United States and Canada. So Twitter is kind of the good outlet for that. But I also do a lot of insurance stuff on there as well. But uh, LinkedIn is the place where I try to kind of really post stuff about the industry. Excellent. And uh, so personal interests aside of politics, what do you do? Um, well, I play, uh, I play soccer now. I've, I'm almost 40 years old, so I've gotten to the point now where, you know, playing with 22-year-olds is a little bit difficult. So I think this is my last year playing competitive soccer, but I do that. I have two kids at home, and uh, I'm pretty busy uh, doing both of those things. All right. Well, tell us about uh, claims life. You've always been on the claims side then? I have always been on the claims side. Um, I've always liked claims, always found them interesting. I've always kind of thought of it as, you know, when it comes to the claims side of things, a lot of people think, well, you know what, you're just adjusting claims and kind of, you know, dealing with people and, you know, either approving losses or paying out indemnity or expenses, that kind of stuff. But the way I look at it is, you know, you pay a major part in the client's life, right? particularly when you're dealing with large accounts, you have a relationship with them. And it's really, really key to nurture those relationships. That's where I kind of come into play. I really, really enjoy that aspect of claims a lot. I also enjoy kind of the technical part, like large complex losses as well. But when it comes down to the relationship piece, I think that's where I really shine what I really like. Cool. And do you, are you hands-on as a manager, or you kind of sit back and let it come to you? Are you kind of do you work with your adjusters, to make sure everything's kind of flowing? I do a little bit of both. Um, I work very closely with my examiners and my independent adjusting partners. Um, however, I'm very hands-on. So if a loss, you know, needs my attention to it, I certainly will get in there and deal with it. I'll meet up with the clients. I'll do whatever it takes in order to smooth everything over and get the claim dealt with. Now, are you on the large loss side, or just up to a certain? value? Um, well, I, I, I'm pretty much involved in everything. Um, you know, there's always authority levels at every insurance company, but sure. you know, I'm, uh, I'm involved in pretty much every loss that comes in where there's either large complex elements to it or even elements where, you know, you have issues where there's, you know, kind of relationship issues that have to be dealt with because of, you know, expenses and stuff like that. I'll be heavily involved in those as well. So do you have junior adjusters right through to large loss adjusters then? Uh, we have a bit of both. So I have a team of staff that are intermediates, some seniors as well, um, and they report into me. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much my team. So you got any interesting cases you can talk about that we won't talk about names, but anything really good that you know you can remember? Um, at this point in time, not a whole heck of a lot that I can discuss at the moment. Sure. But we do have some pretty significant... Uh, we have some pretty significant losses that we deal with in our unit just because of the nature of the business that we're in. 
But, um, you know, I have a great team that works with me, and I think that, you know, we really, really work well together. I've only been at the company now for three months. Oh, okay, so you're new to Sovereign. I'm new then. to Sovereign, yeah, and I'm really, really enjoying my time here. I've got a great crew that's working with me. I report into some great people as well. Everyone's very supportive, so I'm really, really enjoying myself. So do you guys work from home in your how you're set up, or are you guys in an office? Well, interesting you mentioned that. So right now we're in an office. We're at One York. And, um, you know, one of the things that I've noticed with my staff, particularly even at my old employer, was that a lot of my staff perform particularly well at home. Right. I know there is merit to having staff members come into the office a couple of days a week, maybe. Right. But I think that, you know, if these people are going to be working for me. I should be able to trust them working from home. And I do that. So right now, my staff come into the office two days a week and they work from home three days a week. Oh, wow. OK. And that's all your staff or just nope. the ones that are GTA? Um, well, my staff are pretty much all in. I would say the GTA. Some are a bit further out in Ontario. But, uh, yeah, pretty much everyone's got a three-day work-from-home policy. And what type of lines do you guys uh, deal with? Um, right now, we, well, we deal with a whole bunch of lines, pretty much everything. We deal with everything from regular property that comes into the front door. It's all commercial stuff. We also deal with a lot of specialty lines things as well, which kind of really, really excites me. Um, I'm really, really interested in cyber and profin and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I can't really discuss the underwriting side of things, but, you know, those type of things really excite me. And the one thing that really excites me the most about that is in claims where a lot of things, even an insurance company, things tend to be siloed, right? And I'm not about that at all. What I'm all about is breaking down those silos and having those meetings with actuary, with underwriting, talking about those large losses that come in, talk about the high-frequency accounts, talking about everything so we all work together in a cohesive unit. So at Sovereign, do you guys write personal lines or do you write no. commercial only? No. We do commercial. Um, and, yeah, we do commercial. That's pretty much it. Okay. Yep. And you said your property. Do you guys deal with the liability portion or are you guys oh, first yeah. party only? First party, liability, you name it. So you do third-party stuff then? Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. We deal with pretty much all lines. So everything from professional liability to cyber to, you know, commercial property to some transportation stuff, a little bit of everything. Oh, okay. And uh, transportation stuff is, I know you would, did transportation at your old place. I was heavy in the transportation before. Um, did a lot of transportation in the GTA, a lot of stuff in the U.S. I'm pretty well versed in the casualty portion of things as well in the States, how litigation goes down there, the quick pace of it, the different court systems, you know even dealing with tribal courts out there in certain areas of Montana and stuff like that, which is really, really interesting. But I'm... Can yeah. you talk about that? Yeah, sure. I could talk about that for a little bit. So what happens is, is that when we... A lot of people don't talk about it or don't really understand that there's, there's several jurisdictions you deal with, right? Particularly when it comes to casualty losses in the United States. So one of the interesting things is in certain areas, if you get into an accident, and let's say, for example, that loss took place, which could be considered to be... I guess it would be considered native, or in the States, I believe they use the term Indian still... Um, if they'd be their land, there's a choice, I believe, I don't know if it's of the plaintiff, I believe it is, to move it to a tribal court system, where I don't, I'm not too familiar with the actual workings of the tribal court. All I know is that as a representative of an insurance company in Canada, you don't particularly want to go down that route, right? So we had to deal with those type of things as well, which was really interesting. Is that regardless of whether the plaintiff is native or Indian? I don't really know if that's the case or not. I think I think they would have to be, because in this particular case, I believe these people were native. But, um, yeah, so those type of things are pretty interesting. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. So, And you've also got the federal and then the... State courts. State courts as well, right? Yep. So, And those, them in themselves, uh, also pose different issues and... 
how yeah. they do things. They certainly do. And you hope you have proficient counsel down there in the United States and also independent adjusting firms that you partner with in the United States are going to help you out with that, right? You know, I don't expect my team or didn't expect my team to be an expert in Wyoming losses, right? But I do expect that we have the contacts in that particular state to be able to get the information on how you should handle a claim out there and who the different players are in terms of personal injury losses and, you know, the different lawyers and stuff like that. Is there, do you find there's one state more that litigates than the other? Oh, no, they're all over. Um, yeah, I think in the southern states, just, just because, I don't know, because of the awards, I find that to be a particularly troubling area, particularly Texas. I've noticed some very large awards out there, and it's really, really interesting. I went to a seminar once where a plaintiff personal injury lawyer was actually presenting at and it was really, really interesting because you don't normally see that. Here you see that, but the court systems here, you kind of know the players, right? And the awards are always, always kind of along certain lines based on policy limits. But when you're dealing in the States, watching these guys put on a show is absolutely unreal. And you look at some of the awards, like I was looking at this one case that we had, and we had this personal injury lawyer on the other end, and some of the awards, $25, 30000000 million judgments, just like, like 10 or 11 of them in one year, just unreal, right? So those are the type of things you have to watch out for, and it's cool to kind of have that type of experience. So it's funny you say that. So I know in the States now they've got a lot of caps too, right? So for personal injury, so they've gone to the cap that way that their insurers are not being blown out of the water yeah, sure. at the end of the day, yep. right? So I know a few states have, have capped uh, judgments to $2 million in some states. Yep. And regardless of what the award is, yep. they still get capped down, right? Yep. So they may get a $31 million settlement, but they're capped down to $2 million. Sure. So, uh, I, and I find that, and I like to watch and listen to those yep. uh, cases. But uh, I, I do find it interesting when a plaintiff lawyer speaking, I try and listen and go to those things because their perspective is totally different than a defense lawyer's. It's totally different, and I think they actually see themselves as an advocate for justice, right? And I think in a lot of cases, they're 100% right. You know, in a lot of cases, they're 100% right. We kind of take a cynical view as an insurer to that, right? We think to ourselves, well, you know what, they're trying to extract money out of us, so therefore the, they're, you know, they're the opposition, so you know, we're going to kind of treat them a certain way. But if you just sit down and kind of think about where they're coming from as well, you know, they have a marketing team behind them, they have a huge team of associates with them as well, you know, they have to bring in the money, and also they have a reputation in the community. A lot of these guys are political as well. You know? Well, it's funny that you say in the U.S. you call it the show, and it, it, it somewhat is too, right? It's, yeah. It is much of a show about how they go about doing their litigation. Mm -hmm. it's, it's totally different than how we prepare our litigation here in Canada. I would say it is, yeah. WP Radio's Out and About podcast is brought to you by Genesis Rehabilitation Physiotherapy and Sports Injury Clinic. With two convenient locations in the GTA, Genesis strives to provide the best physiotherapy and massage for their patients, along with the ability for treatment of spinal decompression. For more information, please visit genesisclinic.ca. So let's uh, let's talk about uh, you were with uh, who was who were you with prior to Sovereign Economical Insurance and how long were you there? I was there for three years and a bit. And where were you before that? Uh, Crawford. Oh, okay. Right here. So you were an IA. I was. I was a client service manager over here. So you didn't actually do claims then? I did some of the larger claims for some specific accounts. Um, we had some overseas accounts uh, which we did a lot of products liability for, and they requested me specifically to deal some of the stuff because I was kind of the go-to person. And I also found that really interesting because kind of if we go on to the, the future of insurance, you know, a lot of these companies now who are overseas have assets in Canada now, right? Whereas beforehand, they wouldn't. So, you know, there'd be a personal injury claim because some guy lost his eye or whatever for some toy that, some toy that was made in the People's Republic of China. And what happened a long time ago is you send them a notice letter, they send a letter back all in Mandarin, and you get someone to translate it, and the letter's pretty much saying, go away and don't send letters here anymore. 
Now, um, you know, they're starting to get policies. They're starting to deal with things internationally, right? So I found that really interesting. I really, really enjoyed that contact with that particular client in China. I'd be up in the evening kind of dealing with them, and I thought that was really cool. So what do you prefer better, the IA side or the insurer side? I like to manage people. I'm a people manager. I really, really like to drive people to attain their goals. Uh, I'm a person that likes to deal with change a lot. I deal with that very well. I like to push change for positive reasons, um, and I also like to kind of control certain aspects of the claims process, but I like to really empower my staff in order to do great things. You know, I love to see my staff succeed. I love to see them do terrific in terms of claims resolutions, moving on even to different departments in the company. I could care less as long as they succeed and they're doing well. So do you take the files right through to litigation in your current department? Oh yeah, from beginning to end, we'll go to trial or whatever the deal is, from beginning to end. So your person will be involved, your yep. employee will be involved right through the litigation? Yeah, okay, great. Um, what else do you want to talk about today? Um, I'd like to talk about a bit about the future of, of insurance, right? Perfect. Let's um, talk about that. Sure. So one of the posts I put up on LinkedIn recently was how we get the best and the brightest into insurance companies or into the insurance industry to begin with, property and casualty. I'm not talking about life and security benefits. I'm talking about property and casualty stuff, PNC, right? sure. PNC stuff. So one of the things I think about a lot is that, you know, I witnessed this before in the past, and I've seen it time and time again, where someone will come from university, right? This person is super bright, super ambitious, and you know what? What's the first thing we do? We stick them into the mailroom, right? First thing, we'll put them in there or put them in a call center, right, for a while. How do you expect, you know, these people to want to come into this industry if that's the way they're going to be treated when they first come into the company, right? These are people who are smart, who are driven, who can go anywhere if they want, right? You know. I don't want to see a staff member leaving because of the fact that they're going to be pushed into a role that's an admin role for a year before they're able to move on anywhere and then they leave. That to me is the biggest tragedy. I think what has to happen in the future is you have to realize that there's a lot of bright people out there coming out of university and we have to attract them. Competition is high. Not just in the insurance industry, but elsewhere, right? Like, you know, I had a friend that came out of university. Uh, it was my brother's friend and she was just so bright. She got into an insurance company. First thing they did, they stuck her in admin role. Right? She was there for six months and then gone to Salesforce. Right? That person, you know, they may have left anyways. Right? Who knows? They could have left in six months just because of the fact that you know, they didn't like insurance. But that person told me they loved insurance. They thought it was super interesting. They even had family members in the business. They knew me. And the reason why they left was because they didn't want to be stuck kind of at the bottom rung. Right? They wanted to kind of be pushed a little bit or they wanted to kind of at least have a progression plan, a succession plan that's going to allow them to see some sort of future in this. Right? Um, if we're going to attract the best and brightest, I think if you're going to bring them in, you bring them into a claims role, a smaller claims role, either it's handling you know, small property loss or small auto losses, but have a clear progression plan for them, right? Lay it out to them and say, you know what? In the next five years, we plan for you to go into this type of role, right? So what's going to happen from here on in, you're going to handle these auto claims, but you're also going to be going on ride-alongs for people who do property, ride-alongs for people who do SIU stuff, you know? Go into the actuary side of things. You know, go into the underwriting side of things to kind of get a flavor for everything. Because I don't care if that particular person stays in claims. What I want for them is to stay in the organization to succeed. Right? So how do you think we can get there? One of the things I think we need to do is really, really increase our awareness when it comes to people coming out of school. Right? Not just when it comes to people coming out of Mohawk, which is great. Right? You come out of Mohawk, that's terrific. You know the industry, that's great. But what about people coming out of business programs out of Schulich? Right? Do you want those people out of there? thinking we probably do, right? But I have a feeling those guys don't want to be stuck in a mailroom. Yeah, I mean, there's there's more than just Mohawk now, right? There's five, I think, different insurance or different type insurance. Sure, but what I'm talking about is people that come out of the insurance program, that's terrific, right? Because you know that's where they're going. That's where they're going, right? 
Right. But what about people that just have that general business background that think that are driven and want to kind of succeed, right? Why not bring them in and have them in a, in a program where, you know what, they're going to be kind of fast-tracked? Are you trying to set that up at Sovereign? It's something that I think about a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, it's something that I think about as our company grows and as my team grows and those type of things, right? I often think about, you know, how we're going to be able to succeed in terms of competition in our marketplace, right? There's going to be a whole bunch of people coming into the marketplace in the future. Who knows, right? It's all about data right now when it comes to insurance, right? Insurance knowledge is something that's terrific when it comes to claims, right? You can develop that. But when it comes to data that other companies have, right, that's their entrance into the market. If they see something that's profitable, what's stopping an Amazon from jumping in there? Yeah. Well, and you've got last week, you've got Cowan that got bought up by Intact, right? Yeah. So that changes things drastically. Sure. Right? Like, I mean, as far as the players, I mean, Intact. So I know Cowan had their own um, legal people that they used to use outside of Cowan. Mm -hmm. And now they're all going to go away because Intact, or I believe they may go away, Intact is their own in-house counsel, right? It's all these different things. Like, the market, I think, is totally changing. And I think uh, when you look at... Um, economical and how they're doing things with uh, Sonnet, mm -hmm. and it's just an online-based insurance company. Yeah. I mean, they're literally looking at the millennial market, right? Sonnet, I think, is the millennial market and how they, you know, you get on, you, you know, you sign up for your program via an app, yep. everything's, like, it's just... Now, I, I, I can't talk about Sonnet because I don't particularly work, but I can talk about the future when it comes to that. And what I see is, you know... A company like Amazon, they have an app. For me, Amazon is a positive influence in my life, right? I enjoy going on the app. I enjoy shopping. How are we going to turn insurance into that as well, right? A positive influence in people's lives where I don't get anxious when I'm calling up my insurance company because I know either my rates are going to go up or there's a claim or whatever. It's going to be a long conversation. It's going to be nasty. It's not going to be a great, it's not gonna be a great experience. How do we change that customer experience based on, uh, based on a promise that we have for indemnity, right? I'm not providing them a good, I'm providing them a promise. So how do we kind of go into that marketplace in the future and kind of have that type of mindset moving in, right? I think about that a lot. You know, is it going to be app-based stuff? Is it going to be kind of AI stuff? How is it going to work in the future? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different interesting things, right? Like, you know, we, we didn't used to do e-transfers to people, mm -hmm. and now that's done. I mean... You've got that. Uh, people are taking photos of their car yep. and sending those in, and those are considered your appraisal photos. Yep. And somebody's desk appraising them. And uh, I mean, things have really changed in the 25 years I've been in the industry. Yeah. It's gone from, you know, paper files to we're paperless to, I mean, everybody seems to be home-based or majority home-based. Um, it, it just seems things are totally different and evolving, and I think in the right way. Yes. Um, but as long as we can keep up with that pace. For sure. Um, one of the things that I noticed, and this was something I noticed about 10 years ago. I was driving behind a Mississauga Transit bus, and it was maybe seven years ago, and there's a, there was an advertisement for a personal injury law firm in Mississauga. A very prominent one. I dealt with this guy a million times. And the first thing I said was download our app, right? And when you look at the app, what it was was it was an app that would show you, similar to what they have now at insurers, but this was seven years ago, where you're able to take pictures of your vehicle, where the damage is, where the occupants are on your vehicle, gather all that information, send it directly off to the personal injury lawyer within seconds, right? They've been dealing with that for years, right? And now we're kind of just starting to get into that, right? So I think in the future, we have to be a bit quicker when it comes to those type of things. Yeah, I think the plaintiff's bar is pretty... Uh, ahead of us, right? We're always playing catch up with them. And I don't know if it's just they're stronger advocates or mm -hmm. they're just, they're 
you, like you said before, their marketing team and the people that work with them, um, they're on top of things because it's dollars and cents to them coming For in sure the door, it is. right? And uh, most of them are paid on a percentage basis, yep. right? So as opposed to a contingency. Mm -hmm. But if we're, let's say, for example, or let's say we're an insurer, right? And we do personal line stuff. Or even commercial lines doing trucking or whatever the heck it is, right? Yep. Why not put an app? Why couldn't we have an app on the phone? Maybe some insurers do. I don't know. An app, right? Where the same type of thing. You're there on the spot. You take the pictures of your damage. You submit it in with the first notice of loss. There's some like insurers that. doing that already. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, and that's how it goes, right? I mean, it's just trying to stay ahead of the curve. For sure. Right? So, I mean, there's there's lots of things. Uh, like I said, Sonnet, I know, is a very, I mean, their commercials are kind of state-of-the-art. Yep. Everybody knows who they are, right? They're, but I didn't know they were part of Economico or a cousin there or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know how they're related, but I know they are related in some way. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, there's a lot of little players, too, and those little players seem to be a little bit more innovative than the big because I think it's harder to turn a big ship For sure it is. than it is to turn a little one, you right? You can be a bit more agile when you're smaller and a bit more nimble, right? Yeah, and I think just the way people, you know, they talk about they wanted phones to make kids more social. Mm -hmm. I think that's worked to the opposite. Yeah. They're antisocial, but they know how to work a phone, yeah. right? And they're, they're it's just a different thing. And it's how they look for things differently. They don't go to a store, right? You know, because Cyber Monday wouldn't be as huge as it was if it wasn't people weren't on their phones all the time, right? It, it's certainly interesting you say that. So I'm kind of I'm not a millennial, right? But I'm kind of on that cusp, right? Where you know I still remember times when I wasn't using an app. But now, like, I wouldn't even think of not using one. So on my soccer team, I mentioned it beforehand, I'm playing with guys who are 22 years old, right? When I talk to these guys about calling up an insurance company, to them it's like, like, what are you talking about? Calling anyone to them is bizarre, right? Yeah. Unless it's a state of emergency. Um, to them, it's like, I just want to be able to process things through my phone. I know I have that promise of indemnity there. I'm going to be covered if something happens. I pay my premiums. End of story. I don't want to talk to anyone, right? And that's the type of thing that I think that we have to think about in the future as well, right? Being able to interact with those people through AI, getting those push advertisements through different social media uh, mediums and getting that message to them kind of without, you know, phone calls or, you know, even people on TV. Like my sister, she's, you know, in her 20s, right? She's never had cable in her life ever. She doesn't watch TV ever. She watches Netflix. How are you going to go ahead and advertise through that way, right, for personal lines? Those type of things. Yeah, and, and you look at that as well. You look at the banking industry. You've even got virtual banks now, like Tangerine's a perfect example. Yep. They have no branches. Yep. They're just a virtual bank. Yeah, I'm with I, Simply, same thing. Right? Oh, is that the same? Yep, same okay. deal. So, I mean, they literally, I saw somebody taking a photograph of their check, and then they, that was literally the deposit. Yeah. I'd never seen anything like it before. I'm like, okay, so I think <laughs> I'm getting old. I'm clearly old when I see this and wonder what is going on. <laughs> like, you know, I think I have to go to the bank. Somebody has to deposit into the machine for me or deposit into the machine myself, or I have to go and see a teller. These people don't have tellers. There's no physical bank at all. They can use any bank they want, and that's their banking system. Yep. What a totally different change. Totally right? different. Totally different. And uh, some of the things that we deal with now, specifically when it comes to cyber, right? Those are things that are interesting too, because you're dealing with people who are overseas, you're dealing with ransom attacks, you're dealing with cryptocurrencies, you know, all those type of things where unless you have an astute insured and who's kind of understands cryptocurrencies, you know, the claims process could be extremely painful for someone like that. 
So part of my thing when it comes to being a claims manager is having those partnerships in place with our vendors that know those things about cryptocurrency, that understand the people in the background that deal with these ransom attacks, right? And how to be able to make the claims process smooth for those people. Um, that's where I see the future of you know, insurance where you're partnering up with your vendors and you get into really types of, different types of lines of insurance, specifically cyber. I think it'll be interesting for the day that we're the first insurance company accept a cryptocurrency as an exchange of money. Yeah, just too volatile right now, I think, right? But criminals will accept it, no problem. Oh, absolutely. And there's some, actually, there's car dealerships and restaurants that now are accepting cryptocurrency. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting to see because, like, you'll see a lot of these people who are involved in, in cybercrime, right? What you'll see is, you know, if it's a ransom attack, what will happen is they'll target a lot of these type of, you know, like an old, an older person that may have an old practice when it comes to, you know, like a doctor, right? He's got a, he's got a small practice there. He's got his family practice. He's got a few people that come in once in a while. So what will happen is this guy maybe backs up his data, like what, maybe once every three, three to six months, like hardly ever, right? Yeah. And he's got a secretary and he's got a Bill O'Hip all the time. So he'll come into the office, all of a sudden he's locked down, right? And there's someone there that's demanding, you know, 0.5 uh, Bitcoin or whatever to be able to get the key and then from there to release the funds, right? And it's really interesting because you'll see someone who has absolutely no idea about cryptocurrency interacting back and forth with some person who could be in Russia, right, about this type of, you know, negotiation going back and forth. It's really, really strange to see. And those are the people who are kind of attacked most because, they're back, because their backups aren't happening all that often. You go up to someone that maybe back up their data every two hours, right, they could care less. If there's two hours with the data, forget it, I don't care. I'm not paying that Bitcoin, anything. Or also you'll look into things where, you may have an insurer that's like a religious organization and they're dealing with cryptocurrency. So what will happen is they'll get targeted, right, on a ransom attack. And you make the decision, are you going to pay the ransom, right, or are you going to go ahead and just pay to have the data backed up? So a lot of times it's cheaper and easier to pay, right? I've seen that before. So if you go ahead and pay those criminals, right, who knows where that money's going to? You have no idea. Right? You don't know if it's going to fund terror. You have no idea. So you may have an insured that's you know, a religious organization. So you're not paying those guys. I don't know where that money's going to. You know, is it going to go fund Hamas? I have no idea what's going to happen. Right? So I want to be able to back up my data. And that's an extremely long and cumbersome process. So that's really interesting as well. So are you dealing with uh, cybercrime claims? Yeah. Yes. Excellent. Okay. Well, that's interesting. And and do you find that the policy coverages are changing now as the uh, as the types of things around the world are changing? Sure. I you know like I said I can't get into the underwriting side of things. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. But when it comes to coverage, it's always kind of developing in the background, right? People are always learning as to what type of coverage you know is a profitable and b you know is wanted in the market. Um, yeah, it's just the one thing about cyber that's funny is that when you speak to people who claim to be you know let's say an adjusting firm that specializes in cyber. Like, to me, that's not the truth, right? Because you can't be. It's so new, right? And it's so developing all the time. It's not something that, to me, is specialized. Yeah, I think everyone's kind of dabbling in it to see what kind of money they can make in it. All vendors are, including sure. independent adjusters, including specialized firms, all that kind of stuff, right? So it's an, it's an evolving market, but it's an interesting market. Yeah, I mean, I I deal with PI firms that deal, that claim to be, specialists in cyber yep. and, I, and I'm wondering how they can be a specialist seeing it's very new in the industry right like exactly that's exactly from my perspective I think they know as much as I do or I may know a little bit more than some of them because when you're talking to them you know on the surface they seem like they know what they're talking about but then you get into the you know the the nicks and crannies of it they're like yeah I'm, <laughs> you don't know 
anything. Yeah. Right? Because I, I find that, you know, I try and stay on top of that. I stay yep. on top of uh, a lot with Bitcoin and mm-hmm. the, the cryptocurrency thing. I find very interesting yep. the data mining behind it and, you know. Blockchain the, stuff. Yeah. What's really, what's really interesting about it is the fact that, like, when the money goes, it's gone. Right? It's untraceable. You can't find out where it's going. You know, and the one thing that I thought a lot about was I was speaking to a guy that owned a convenience store. This isn't really claims related, but it just kind of shows as to how the Bitcoin thing works and how kind of fraud works when it comes to Bitcoin. I'm sure you know a lot more than I do about it. But what happened was, was this guy was telling me the Bitcoin machine inside his convenience store. And a woman came in, she was on the phone. And uh, he said, who are you on the phone with? She goes, oh, I'm on the phone with Revenue Canada. And they're requesting payment via Bitcoin. And she's feeding the money. Oh, sorry, she's putting her credit card into the machine in order to send the cash, right? So this gentleman was telling me, listen, he goes, I was yelling at her, telling her not to do it. I was trying to find the cord for the Bitcoin machine to pull it out of the wall, but it was too late. It was gone. That money's gone. Like, when that money is transferred, it's long gone. You're not going to tra- you're not gonna be able to trace it. You don't even know where it goes. Is it going to Africa? Is it going to Canada? You have no clue where it is, right? It's just gone. And when you said Bitcoin, he had a Bitcoin machine at his convenience store? Yeah, I've seen them all over the place. There's one here in Mississauga. Really? Yep. You can actually go there and purchase Bitcoin. And you purchase it in... You're basically just purchasing theoretical money. You're not actually purchasing anything. No. So yeah, you're purchasing a you can pur- you can purchase a percentage of a bitcoin. So what they'll do is they'll say, okay, fine. So you know, send me 0.5 of a bitcoin. Bitcoin's worth I don't know what it is now 13,000. I have no idea what the amount is. So what they'll do is say, give me half of that, right? And they'll go ahead and they'll purchase 0.5 of a bitcoin, send it to an address, which is like you know a whole bunch of random numbers, and it's gone. Wow, I didn't know they actually had Bitcoin banking already. Yeah, the machines are kind of like these yellow machines. They're in the wall. They're around at a few convenience stores. I've seen them. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, that's, I, I'm going to have to keep an eye out for it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Um, now, with that being said, you said the person was trying to send Bitcoin, so they were using their own credit card yep. to send money to this IP address. Yeah, it was an email was. address. Email address. Yep. And that can be anywhere. Who knows? All right. Uh, Thank you very much, Randy, for being on the podcast today. We really appreciated your time. Um, You've got a wealth of knowledge that, I mean, I love it. I think everybody should be checking you out on LinkedIn. Um, How do they get to you? How do they... How do they follow you on LinkedIn? Just look up Randy Chiasson, C-H-I-A-S-S-O-N. You'll be able to find me on there. I tend to post um, maybe once or twice a week when it comes to me being on the GO train. I don't, you know, I take the GO train for about 30 minutes. so It allows me some time to kind of disc you know, digest what happened throughout the day and some of my thoughts. And I really, really like to put those points out there. Just before we go, I wouldn't mind just discussing one last thing I was thinking of. Sure. Um, When it comes to leadership in the future in claims, uh, one of the things that I think that's happening now, I see it a lot. I see an age gap, right? I see an age gap of people who are very young getting in the industry and people who are going to be exiting the industry sooner than later. I think there's a real need for succession planning in claims. I think there's a real need for succession planning when it comes to adjusting claims and knowing the fundamentals. I think there's also um, a real big opportunity for good mentorship. I think that, you know, having that gap there allows people to kind of understand the basics of claims and also to kind of reverse that. We have some people who've been in the industry for a long time. If they get the newer people in the industry, they're kind of thoughts on things as well and how, you know, claims should be handled in the future. I was talking to a younger staff member of mine and he talks to me about AI in the industry all the time. He follows different types of AI, not when it comes to insurance, but just different AI, right? And he's like, you know, these type of programs in the future are going to be able to kind of, these admin roles that they do now and adjusting, right? It'll be dealt with, right? Period. And they'll have more time to focus on the nuts and bolts when it comes to claims handling. 
those are the type of things that I see in the future really benefiting our staff when it comes to mentoring and kind of having that age gap closed a bit. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I actually do mentoring uh, personally through the Insurance Association. So I'm, uh, I'm a mentor to somebody in the YIPT, so the Young Insurance Professionals of Toronto. So I actually mentor somebody currently, and uh, it's amazing. She's a young person new into the industry in the last few years, but, uh, I mean, there's so much out there. There's, I agree with you. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. And we th <laughs> I, I, I think we should be doing more of that. I 100% I cool. agree. Awesome. That, uh, you know, look it up, get involved with your insurance association, yep. become a member of the yep. OIAA, um, get out there and just uh, meet other people in the industry. There's a lot to learn from the old timers. Yep. And a lot the old timers can learn from the new For people. Sure. It shouldn't just be one way or the yep. other because I'm learning a ton from her as well. That's awesome. The industry's changing a lot. You know, and I think there's a real great opportunity for people in the future to jump in here and really make a difference. Absolutely. Well, thanks again. Uh, this was out and about, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks again to Genesis Rehabilitation Physiotherapy and Sports Injury Clinic for helping us bring you the Out and About podcast. We'd also like to thank all of our other show sponsors, such as Templeman LLP, Winmar, Diane Russell LLP, Archon Forensic Engineers, and SCM Group of Companies. We can't thank you all enough. We'll be back next week with a new podcast for you. And don't forget to contact us for a chance to be featured on the OIAA Trivia Show presented by Archon Forensic Engineers. All you have to do is listen to the last month of podcasts and you could possibly be called on air to answer a series of trivia questions. And if you answer enough correctly, you could win fantastic seats to come and watch your favorite events in Toronto. Thanks so much and we'll see you next week.